um, <laughs> much like the Matrix, this is our second <laughs> shot of this. <laughs> This has all happened before and it will happen again. This has all happened before. We we are, I mean, we are pretty much on brand for what we are reviewing. About to do, yeah. (laughs) Okay, Okay. for those who are including on what just happened, well, um, we thought we were recording and we really weren't. So (laughs) this is take two of the same in-depth conversation we had literally 15 minutes ago. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Even More Ice. Welcome back to Nostalgia Hits Differently. Uh, we are w- reviewing the final episode of the final movie in the Matrix trilogy. We missed Let's get you. into it. Let's just... <laughs> Let's just say what we were saying. Okay. Okay, so, James, how did you find the Matrix Revolutions the first time you watched it? I would have watched it not long after I saw Reloaded so probably not at the time but you know whenever I watched Reloaded and it wouldn't have been that long until after that um what I remember is definitely the final fight between Smith and Neo just because it was the Mm. most extreme over the top almost quite hilarious really absolutely drenched in rain you can see every molecule of their face sort of you know as they hit each other and it, I just thought it was pretty epic, actually, even though it was absolutely ridiculous of flying around the yeah. city. It was it was still... And the music, I just I thought was pretty incredible. The only other couple of things that I remember was like the APUs and all that build-up in Matrix Reloaded to this final battle for Zion. And when that battle appeared, oh. it being just really bombastic and grisly, thousands of these sentinels that we'd seen in the previous ones just bursting through the roof... And I thought all of that was yeah. quite, yeah, I thought that was that was really cool. But I found the ending quite anticlimactic. Like, I just didn't have a clue what was going on mm. in the sense of I wasn't sure how everything had been resolved. You know, it was like, oh, okay, right. So Sunrise and he's, <laughs> he's taken over the other one and they've talked about inevitability and I, I just didn't get it. I didn't understand. Um, but I was willing to sort of overlook yeah. that. We'd had the... You know, um, like you talked about a couple of weeks ago, the gun foo fight sequences. It was like a Matrix greatest hits. The the sequence when they were flying through the mechanical shaft with uh, Jada Pinkett Smith. Yeah, so all of that stuff, that's what I remember. But I did feel a bit underwhelmed by the end and a bit confused. How about you? Yeah. Yeah, it was pretty much the same for me, at least. The first time I watched it, it was a very action-packed sequence of events Mm. everything was dialed up to the max the final fight in zion at the docks was just incredible Mm. and i really liked how everything had been done how most of the plot points from the previous parts ended up being somewhat resolved especially because there had been so many little hints as to this war that was coming Mm -hmm. so they actually gave us a war at the end of everything which was quite grisly and insane yeah but like you said at the time wasn't really clear on a lot of the stuff that was happening a lot of the resolution points weren't very clear to me at least i didn't quite get how everything ended all i know is that neo went to the land of the machines and had gone into the matrix and fought agent smith but precisely yeah. why that fight happened and what the end game was wasn't exactly clear to me yes you know yeah but which is why it's very useful that we went back and did this retrospective yes. because yeah. honestly watching it the second time 
especially with all the stuff we've done in the previous episodes around the premise of the Matrix and exactly how everything ended up being resolved. This time I could really contextualize and understand what the plot was supposed to Mm -hmm. be about and precisely what Neo had done and how he had saved mankind. So in a sense, it's useful that we did this retrospective because, you know, by the time the fourth installment shows up, it would be nice to know precisely what is happening. Yes, yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm so, going to ask you then. So now, mm. in your view, what the fuck happened at the end of the <laughs> Matrix Revolutions? <laughs> so the Matrix Revolutions is the story you're looking at. is not about Neo at all. Mm-hmm. Neo is just a cog in a much larger machine. Mm-hmm. The actual story is this almost game of chess between the Oracle and the Architect. Mm-hmm. Now, the architect's job is to create and maintain the matrix program to, as the oracle says, balance the equations. Mm. The oracle's job is to anticipate and resolve issues in the matrix program. So the Mm. two of them are actually looking at the program in slightly different ways. One is to maintain, one is to advance, right? Or in a sense, one could pretend that the oracle's job is to maintain the program, but is to maintain the program by understanding those variables that cannot be calculated which is what mm-hmm. the architect talks about in the previous movie yeah like yeah. we understand to a 99 percent chance what's going on but that one percent requires a constant re-evaluation and sort of intuition so in that sense the oracle's job is to see what the architect cannot observe mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. now what we end up seeing over the course of the film is that the oracle actually is on the side of the humans for some weird reason. Mm. And that isn't quite clear for the first two films because I was also thinking if this is supposed to be a cyclical system where everything just ends up being reintroduced to sustain the Matrix program, how are we to say that what the Oracle is doing isn't just part of the maintenance program? Yeah, which is, by the time you which get to the end of this one, you realize that time. very clearly. Yeah, exactly. And by the time you get to the end of this one, you realize that very much what she said was the truth. She was actually trying to bring an end to the enslavement of mankind and was actually really trying to help humanity out. Yeah. But this helping of humanity was essentially going against what the architect was set to do. Yes. Yeah. And in a sense, the Oracle was part of this revolution. Maybe I guess that's what the film title is about. But the Oracle was part of this revolution that was supposed to end up bringing an end to the war between man and machine Mm. by actually ending the Matrix program, Mm. essentially by liberating man from the Matrix program. And the reason for that was because the parameter that had been calculated by the Oracle to undermine the program regardless was Agent Smith. Yes. Agent Smith, with his whole talk about purpose, etc., etc., had decided that the easiest way to destroy this program was just to eliminate man from the mix Mm. so agent smith basically spends all of the matrix revolutions infecting every single person in the matrix program yes now based on what he did to the guy on the outside of the matrix in the real world it showed that agent smith could essentially override a human being's entire function yes which meant that agent smith could destroy every single person plugged into the matrix this means that regardless of how you look at it as long as smith exists the matrix is going to be destroyed Mm -hmm. and the only person who could have destroyed smith was Neo mm. because Smith was created to counterbalance Neo mm-hmm. and Neo was created to sustain the Matrix. Do you see the sort of quagmire that we're in? Yes. So, yeah. you know, you need Neo to sustain the Matrix, but you need Agent Smith to counterbalance Neo. But Smith has gone rogue and the only person who can stop Smith is Neo. Yes. Yeah. So what do you do? One could have said that the architect could have just stopped Smith, but I'm not sure why he didn't. 
the point was that in the end, Neo had to come back into the Matrix and defeat Smith. Mm. And the way he did that was by allowing Smith infect him and then destroying Smith. Yeah. It seemed almost like whoever Smith infected, the number one Smith became the most dominant mind mm. in that hive. Mm-hmm. So clearly what happened when the Smiths kept on infecting was that the dominant Smith at a point became the Oracle Smith. Yes, yeah, yeah. Which was why at the end it was like, oh, I have seen this all before. You lay here and I stand here and say blah, 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 blah. Yeah. But the actual most dominant mind in the Matrix was the one. Mm. So when Smith infected Neo, Neo being himself destroyed Smith. Mm. And because he engineered the destruction of Smith from within himself, all the others had to follow suit. Yes, yeah. It ended up being one of those religious um, allegories because Neo essentially had to sacrifice himself for the machines. Yeah, yeah. Which is the whole, the mixture of various religious symbolism and so on. And I think yes. at the end that was very clear with the, I mean, he's, he's, he's splayed out, you know, like on the cross. Yes. You know, and he's... Yeah, he's, there was that whole thing about mm. being him being on the cross and then like, the way the light was making him look like some sort of an angel yes, or something with yeah, like wings yeah, yeah. splayed yeah. out and stuff like that. So there was really that religious undertone to it. But essentially, what ended up happening was that this particular iteration of Neo, instead of trying to save mankind, effectively had to save the machines mm. who then saved mankind. Yes. Yeah. Because without doing what he did, Mankind would have been lost anyway because Smith would have just infected every single person. Yeah. Well, like, and the second Smith infects every every person, the machines lose as well. Yeah. Because the machines need the people, you know. Yeah. Well, I mean yeah. that that's what I in this what rewatch took from it, and it's something that we had alluded to from the Animatrix and then from the previous film. Something which is always yeah. there, but takes to this film for it to come out, which is the basic symbiosis of their relationship yes. between man and machine we forget that a lot of these human beings are machines or like you talked about they're synthetic creations um yes we also get to see you know over the course of the last sort of two films this one and the other we, we see this real breakdown in really what distinguishes mm. them because i i noticed yeah. that the even the battle of zion you've got the cp apu sorry that that it's integral for them defeating these machines but then the machines if we want to say that uh collaboration and so on well these machines come together and there's that scene where they reignite the drill and i thought that was very much about and they then the humans are what are they doing what they're doing and you're thinking well of course it's another it's a source of of, you know form of collaboration but even more so was the beginning of the film when he's in that weird in-between space a real a literal liminal space Mm. between the Matrix and some yeah. other... You know, I think they were talking about the machine world, but then he's also out of the real world. And then talking yeah. about love. Because love yeah. seemed to me to be a concept that, from my watch of this one, was really throughout this film, probably a little bit more so than than Reloaded. But Sorry, I know I'm, I'm going off a yeah. tangent there. But the point here is that the lines between machine, man, human you know um and what it means to be conscious or sentient or connected just seemed to break down and i just kept thinking of the symbol of the dao and the fact that you know as 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 much as neo has to become a sort of part of smith and smith into neo you needed something to kind of 
balance in a sense everything out to the point where they could understand that the only way to exist is with a degree of equilibrium so it's a revolution for me in two sense of both that the the you know a circle so things coming back and and Mm. returning and so on but then also like the sense in which i think you alluded to which is a a change an overthrowing of a previous system so yeah. yeah, sorry, yeah, that's kind of um, part of what I understood the ending of the film to be about and as well, from maybe a sort of symbolic point of view. Yeah, and when you said the circle, my first thought was exactly how this war began in the second Renaissance. Mm. Yes, remember yeah. in the Animatrix, it was about the sentience of the machines yes. and their refusal to be treated like second-class citizens. Yeah. So in essence, these machines already had a sort of sense of self and sacrifice and all these other things. And so it called into question precisely what makes human cognition and human ability Mm. or human values so separate from the machines. If the machines had reached this point of breaking that boundary between being tools and actually being sentient. Yes. And so in that sense, every machine within this matrix world, we can believe is actually a successor to the sentient ones. Mm. So we actually end up having this battle between two forms of sentience, really, mm. between the machines and their mechanistic requirements for survival and the humans and their biological requirements for survival. And then how the two of them ended up being melded for a while because humans generate particular like electrical brain activity. Yes. And then before they became separated again, which I think was the thing that I quite understood, but at the same time couldn't. Mm. Neo was able to use his brainwave activity to shut down the machines. Mm, yes, yeah. And that was kind of alluded to in, I think, the previous one, where he actually just stopped the machines by thinking it. Yeah, in Reloaded, so he did at the end. In that yeah. sense, I think, yes, and he did that at the end of Reloaded, and he did this again in Revolutions when they were trying to get into Machine and City. Yes. So yeah. there was this sense that there was this connection between man and machine, at least from the perspective of whatever electrical activity powers man and machine. Mm. And somehow it was that connection that made them alike and made them depend on each other in a sense, because that really is what the machines are using man for. Mm. That you can see how it starts to like come around full circle. It's yes, like, okay, yeah, so yeah. you have the whole thing with the differing consciousnesses and a liberation is required so man and machine have to separate themselves and the only way they separate themselves is by removing the one person that seemed to be the connection in their link which was mm, neo mm, mm. <laughs> I, I don't know if that makes any sense it's it's a very strange film when you think about it from that perspective because now what they have essentially agreed to is a sort of ceasefire yes where yeah. thanks to new sacrifice the machines are going to allow man be free from their control Mm. but it's also the architect says something which i think is the reason why i'm looking forward to the next film which is how long do we expect this piece to last for yes yeah and that is a very valid question because if man is now outside the control of the machines when they are liberated after the revolutions it means that the machines are just going to hope that man decides to mind their business and not starts another war because it was man that started the first war. Yes, yeah. It's kind of the ambiguity of his final line as well, isn't it? Because she says, you know, will you yes. keep your word? And he's like, what do you think I am? Human. And there's there's yeah, so human, many exactly. so, sort of contradictions in that. Because on the one hand, you could tell it, you know, say it's an affirmation of the machine's 
I don't know what the word is, lack of deception, because it's made, especially for him, he's made a calculation. On the other hand, you could also look at the sentimentality of humanity and Mm. say that, you know, "Hmm, if things don't work out, we will break it because, again, we've made that calculation. There is, yeah, there's some real sort of ambiguity within that. that, But I think it, it also speaks to what the concept of peace is anyway. I mean, that's another thing that kept coming yeah. to me at the end of the film. With two uh, forms of sentience, which understand they're now interconnected, you know, what what is going to sustain this? And there's stuff about throughout yeah. the film of sort of like hope and belief, yeah. whether anything was really going to come to pass. But the question, and I think the next film will have to deal with this, is what are the in a sense are the contingencies of peace as much as what are the contingencies yeah. of division i guess it down, it comes down to whatever you understand fundamental natures to be both from a machine point of mm. view and a human point of view do you think that human beings are at heart just beings for conflict you know society or a system is what keeps us in check or is yeah. it the other way around which actually no we're not kind of bound for destruction it's our systems that produce further conflicts and therefore peace is more the natural state of being the more and I know there's mm. very, I mean, that's an ongoing philosophical and, and uh, moral discussion, ethical discussion that's gone on for, for centuries yeah. about the conceptions of human nature. So I guess what I'm driving at is, yeah, mm. it's it's very interesting. They kind of end with peace and thinking about, well, w- what is peace anyway? I mean, is it a set of just yes. mere blind faith and trust in in your so-called enemy that you're divided from? Or is it mm. a genuine understanding that the divisions that, have been put into place were always artificial. They were generated by visceral perceptions of difference that in the end have to just be broken down. So I'm not quite sure really where the Wachowskis sit with it. I mean, the film, it's weird in a way because I think it really does reinforce the symbiosis of these two things. Yes, humanity created the machines, but once it gained that level of consciousness and sentience, in what way and if it starts to discuss and even feel you know i mean love as i said before being yeah. one of the things that keeps coming up especially once a machine is the first one to articulate love and neo's thinking like, i've never heard a, i've never heard you talk about it in this way and i know that program gets a little bit <laughs> a little bit technical with it love is a word you know it's a connection yeah. and stuff like that you think oh well, we technically go. it is yes no but that absolutely <laughs> absolutely so yeah that that's a really sort of interesting place for the film to sort of end and, and maybe they'll continue that forward because other than that i mean i'm wondering where where a franchise like this goes now we have been through this particular arc yeah. or this particular revolution you know where does it go next yeah, yeah. And I think that is what was kind of tricky for me to understand about the Matrix Revolutions as well. Mm. These supposedly metaphysical concepts that are supposed to separate man from machine, like love and faith and belief and so on and so forth. So Hmm. you have this weird kind of like roundabout conversation as to precisely what marks us as separate from machines, Mm. really. You know, what exactly is this extra thing that we have going on that the machines do not and in that sense that's what the revolutions really brings forward showing how much the machines were almost exactly like man Mm. so Mm. this felt less like a war between man and machine 
and more like a war between two different forms of consciousness that were inhabiting different bodies. Yes, yeah. We see these things and we call them programs. But if you think about humanity, we look at people and we say that human beings have personalities. Mm. How is that different from a program? Yes, yeah. Yeah, and how conditioned you know. are we? <laughs> Which is why I think Smith stands as a very, you know, as, as a symbol in which it is it's pure imitation but yet beneath yeah. it is also just a sense of nothingness i mean maybe yes. that's exactly the forces that the wachowskis are offering as the the true antagonist of this film it's not so much the machines or the architect yeah. or whatever but it's actually a symbolic sense of nothingness and i know that nihilism as a concept is often thrown out but i can't find another word yeah. for it but that, yeah. that sense of pure destruction that just leads into utter self-destruction and abandoning yeah. to God knows what. And I think that within this film, that's what he represents. I mean, that, that's why I think he really struggles in that final scene with Neo. Like, why do you keep doing yeah. this? If it's all meaningless, why do you keep fighting? Like, what is the point of all of yeah. this? Mm. And I think Neo's response to that actually is really, from a larger existential perspective, mm. the response to a lot of nihilistic discourse, at least I would say definitely is the response that I use when it comes to questions of existentialism and nihilism. Mm. I would position myself as an optimistic nihilist in the sense that <laughs> much like... No, honestly, and it, it, it sounds weird to say this out loud, especially on a podcast that's supposed to be out film. But the point I'm getting at is that nihilism can be seen as nothing matters so why do anything mm. why exist mm. why breathe mm. why function mm. because everything has no end game but then neil's response to what smith said is actually the counter argument that is used in optimistic nihilism which is i choose to be, mm. be because i choose to mm. so purpose does not precede action action precedes purpose mm. as far as smith is concerned purpose should precede action mm. I think, was it Descartes or something that brought up that conversation around existence? So it's like the, the, whole, the whole argument about existence and essence. Mm. A lot of things have an essence, have a meaning, have a purpose before they are existence. Yes. So in essence, we create a chair because we want something to sit on. Yes. You know, yeah. so there's always an essence that precedes the existence. However, humanity goes the other way. Mm -hmm. Humanity exists first and then finds its meaning. Yes, yeah. And that's and that's the struggle that Smith has. It's like Smith views humanity from the same perspective as you would give to any other object, which yeah. is like this object needs an essence before it should exist. And that would be natural for Smith because Smith is a program that was created with a specific purpose, which obviously he thinks to be meaningless, considering that his purpose is to counter something that he considers to be purposeless. So that means that Smith's own purpose is kind of purposeless. Yes, yeah. So which really creates that existential issue that Smith has. But that takes away from the actual conversation between existence and essence. Do you have to wait for a reason before you do things, or do you do things before a reason exists? Mm, and I think mm. that really is what humanity is. Humanity is essentially a set of purposeless beings creating meaning as it goes along. Yes, yeah. And I think it explores the outcomes, the results of those meanings. I mean, that, yeah. that in the end is what we end up cherishing, despite yeah. the fact that it can go against a whole swathe of huge insurmountable difficulties or internal pain yes. 
Exactly. Yeah. And when we get to the end of the film and Neo says, I do these things because I choose to, I don't know, there was just something about that statement that felt very personally validating to me because honestly half the things i do i do it because it's an option (laughs) i don't really think about the wider existential purpose for why anything is done because my existence has no meaning Mm. i'm just here because i'm here Mm. (laughs) so and i think but I, i mean coming back to the film a little bit it i think that's why you see a lot of these characters hanging on yeah. by by a thread and but yet pushing yeah. forward so if you think about like you know mm. niobe she's given a prophecy in a sense she doesn't know whether it's true or not but she she gives over to it and she says yeah. well you know and then she knows she can get down yeah. the shaft she just says i can do it i can do it you've yeah, got exactly who's the other one? Oh, trinity she says exactly the same thing she says if you say yeah. that we're going to get over we'll get over regard i mean she doesn't say are we going to get yes. over and am i going to die by being impaled <laughs> can you see that no. but, but whatever <laughs> you know um you know or even uh, z and link where she's like, I've just got to get him back. Mm. I've j- I am going to see him again. Yeah. That is what I'm going to live for. And it doesn't matter what the hell happens. And regardless of whatever then happens after that, because you think, well, we're stuck in the same place and Locke is going around going, you know, you're yeah. handed it to them on a silver platter. <laughs> so, that's the whole point. You yeah. know? It's like, that's when you get into that same conversation of, you know, existence and essence. Because mm. if you think about everything that they're doing from just a, what is the end game of all this? Yeah. Like, even if humanity wanted to mount the biggest defense against the machines from a purely practical perspective, there was no way humanity was going to win. No, no. If you think about it from an end game perspective, it's like the essence of all this is that you are going to die regardless. So what's the point of the struggle, Mm. right? Which is kind of what I talked about in our first podcast around the Matrix, which is, you know, if you had the option of being inside or outside the matrix and i was thinking about the end game at that point because i said whether you're inside or outside you are probably still going to be killed or used by the machines either way mm, mm, mm. so what's the point you know but that's when you have an end game view of it but i think what separates it is that the human beings within the movie and even human beings in real life actually operate more like by the procedure than the goal mm we justify our existence by existing <laughs> yes you know? yeah oh no i well I, i've often thought you know considering these like you say existential questions that we are creatures that create our own meanings i mean that can lead to yeah. some big issues um yes especially if you're driven by something which is purely self-obsessive and if okay so if we understand that we understand we create our sense of meaning how then does that work collectively how do we create mm. societies and then of course the question becomes if there are so-called different forms of like you said different consciousnesses in two different types of body how do we then create a shared sense of meaning because it, those have to as probably at some level coalesce otherwise if everyone's pursuing their own sense of meaning i mean there's a whole question about you know, what are we then going to drive towards or you know if i'm just saying yeah. well i'm doing this this and this and i don't have to regard you within it and even that it may interfere or step over into your creation of meaning then how do we yeah. settle that particular thing 
So it's yeah. I mean, isn't this, that, yeah. Isn't that that's that's literally the world we already live in? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you just described our actual society. Yes. Yeah, well. Yeah. Yeah. Once you started saying all of that, the first thing that crossed my mind is why do people have children? Yeah. Yeah. You bring a person into this world that is fully going to have their own sense of consciousness and sentience. Mm. But you have no idea what that consciousness and sentience is going to look like as at the time of creating it. Mm. Do you see what I mean? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> so it's like, okay, you've decided to create this thing for whatever reason, whatever that purpose you may have designed for you, whether the reason is practical or um, effective. We can go into the sociology of human societies, you know, how people used to have children <laughs> so that they would have field hands. Yes. And, yeah, you know, yeah, people yeah. to carry on their legacy yeah. or join the war or whatever. But then once the person actually shows up and has their own consciousness, then what? Mm. Because they could decide to go along with the scheme that you've created for them or they could be like, well, actually, no. Yeah. Which, and then they do something else entirely. Which is what the second renaissance, like you said, looks at. And, Basically. And this... That's, <laughs> do you see what I'm yeah, saying? <laughs> and, and, and this is where we reach with revolutions is, you know, like an un- uneasy impasse and I think also picking up on what you're saying there in terms of what the film is also leaving us with are questions about, again, meaning and the fact that a form yeah. of spirituality or religiosity or whatever you want to call it is another mm. powerful and unexplainable and often unverifiable a factor that still comes into yeah. uh, the lives of people under certain conditions you know, it, yeah. it is part of that meaning creating process. And what I liked about that at the end of the film is when you've got those characters in those various states. I mean, even the Oracle, who's like, you know, as she says at the end, um, you know, oh, no, I didn't know, but I believed. Or you've got, in a sense, that saviour moment where they're all there in the in the caves and they're talking about the war mm. being over. And I can't remember what I think you've got Locke, who's the kind of empiricist, going like, I don't understand yeah. it. <laughs> I don't understand what's happened. You're thinking, yeah, of course. Yeah. But in a sense, you're also, there are lots of people in the audience who, who you're speaking for. I don't get this. <laughs> I don't really understand exactly. what's happened. <laughs> and then you've got Morpheus sort of, I think yeah. Morpheus says, is this real? It's, I think that's his last yes. line in the film and then he's with Niobe and I can't remember what she says I, I don't know whether she just says something about like oh thank you Neo and stuff but there's a lot about yeah. belief and uh, it, it reminded mm. me of I can't remember who said it now but this idea of what's called sublime madness and it connected with what you were saying earlier about uh, action preceding purpose that sometimes we do do things yeah. because they have to be done and they may be steps of complete what people would call leaps of faith other people would call insanity but yet that also is there within the film to at least get i think to get the audience to to be aware of this whole other strain of the around the theme of meaning around the theme of of uh, yeah of purpose and and so on yeah yeah by the time you get to the end at least by the time i got to the end of this viewing it honestly felt a lot more satisfying. Mm, mm. I was still left with a handful of questions. Yes. However, knowing the wider existential, the wider philosophical conversation that was being had through the film, as opposed to when I watched it as a kid, where it was just this action flick mm. thing with two Superman-like characters fighting in the rain, 
it felt a lot more satisfying that oh that's what this was about yes. you know this was about yeah. one man's sacrifice to end a long standing war between humans and the machines and you know the machines realizing how much they were reliant on mankind somehow for their own survival while still leaving us with this kind of uncomfortable impasse mm. between the two of them because there isn't really a sense of trust fostered at the end of all this but it's almost like the machines release man out of respect or um, honor of Neo mm. because there was that way in which Neo's body was handled even after he, you know, yeah, yeah, when he's um, pulled on to like the, it and, was like and, a funeral and, pyre, wasn't it? Or something like a funeral. Exactly. Ship. Yeah. It, it felt almost like a funeral of sorts. Yeah. So it felt like, that's why I kept saying that there was just something about that ending sequence that felt more like you were just dealing with two forms of consciousness inhabiting different bodies mm. with slightly different agendas mm. whilst you're recognizing the interconnection they had with with each other and new central role in all of that. Mm. And that was ultimately what I left the film with, you know. Still, if you, a handful of questions which may be either answered or complicated by the time the sequel comes out in December. Yes, but yeah. It was a lot more of a okay, I kind of understand where you were going with this. Thank you very much for your service. And I guess I'll see you when I see you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I found this time to, because of, based on the discussions we'd had and thinking through the film mm. at those levels of, you know, the symbolic level, just the connections that you make across various characters and, and the, the big themes. It was much clearer in my mind about when we get to the end of the film, you know, what the meaning of that ending could be. And of course, leaving open, mm. like you said, an uncomfortable sort of truce that could last, perhaps, but maybe it won't. What I probably was struck by was the fact that even probably as a, watching as a kid and, and this time as well, is that they did go for a full throated or sorry, full throttled action film. There's a it, it did amaze me actually how a lot of that middle section was just pure battle but i understood that very much in the yeah. context of the film itself that you know things had built to this battle and at moments two forces collide and we're going to see the outcome of that particular conflict and what are people going to do in that sort of situation what are they going to rely on what are they going to yeah. push for what does any of it mean once they have made their various sort of victories and successes and in the end, that of course, that wouldn't be what would solve anything and would lead to uh, mutual annihilation if, like you said, if, yeah. if the machines had wiped out the humans, if Smith then had overwhelmed the Matrix, that you know we'd be looking at no more Wachowski's film. It would just be, ah, that's it. Yeah. So, yeah, that yeah. sense of anticlimax, I think, was very much reduced, if not gone, by the end of, of this particular uh, watch-through. Yeah. 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 The Wachowskis did the world a massive service mm. with this one because mm. Mm. this is still one of the most talked about films in well, modern history. Yeah. And has spawned so many things. Yeah. And I and I think it, but... I think for those people who appreciate or really like the first one and there's this kind of meh, meh about reloading revolutions, I would seriously recommend yeah. going back and watching watch the Animatrix. And I would definitely mm. recommend watching Reloading Revolution, but without you know, assuming too much, try to be open-minded about what yeah. the various ideas of this film are and how they are expressed yeah. 
symbolically or whatever through these characters i mean that that's just yeah. another way of looking at this particular film if what you're following yeah. is i guess the straight action stuff and that's what gets you going then of course i think these films can be a little bit confusing yeah and i can appreciate and i could appreciate as a kid that feeling of of anticlimax but i do think there are some very interesting ideas within there yeah, yeah i think we both agree on that Absolutely. Hence why we've been talking oh. for 50 minutes about it. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, yeah, I mean, I guess that brings us to the end yep. of the Matrix series. and uh, It was inevitable. So join us next week when we, I guess we're beginning season four. Yes. Okay. So join us next week with the beginning of season four when we kickstart with the recent release of Disney's Cruella. Cruella. And... Um, Buckle up because this is going to be a wild one. Okay, so, <laughs> so um, this is Imo signing out from Even More Ice. Yep. I've been your host. <laughs> Everything that has a beginning has an end, and this is our end, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah of course. So yeah, bye. <laughs> bye. <laughs> okay. Bye.